Good morning. Well, we are turning in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 35. Brian and Carolyn have just read it to us. And what this does for us is that it begins a series of Advent where we're considering the Bethlehem story. From the earliest stages in the Bible in Genesis onwards to, well, on Christmas Day itself, where we'll be observing how the Magi appeared in Bethlehem, and they were able to offer uh, their gifts to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The passage has been read to us, and so it's time for us now to turn to the one who is the author of the scriptures and the sender of Christ into this world. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. So our Father, what we want to do now, coming into your presence, is to recognize that you have given us access to you through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Come to this world sinful by nature. But what you did in the goodness and in the perfect holy nature of your ways, you sent Jesus Christ into this world via Bethlehem to eventually die on Calvary. We realize, Father, that when we were examining this passage, this was not an accident in time. It was an appointment with time. And that you worked generation by generation. There was a flow. There was a purpose. There was a plan. There was a promise. It would come to fruition in Bethlehem when Christ was born. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to see the, the genesis of the story of how all this began to work itself in time. And I pray that in the weeks to come, as we examine the Bethlehem story, we can see how the author, our sovereign God, stands behind the story itself. Warm these hearts. Engage these minds. Shape these wills. We've come here, Father, again now to see Jesus and him only. Praying these things again now in Jesus' name. Amen. I was standing off to the side while she was being interviewed. Sharon was recounting for those that were interested in her new book about her experiences of growing up as a missionary in Africa what lessons she had drawn. She looked at one particular person who posed a question about, is there any life principle that you could offer us here in the States about your experiences overseas? She smiled and reminded them of the title of her book, You Can Go Back Again and then offer this extraordinary perspective. Sometimes in life you need to go back before you can begin to plan going forward. This was the story of Jacob. Thirty years prior to what you and I are reading in Genesis chapter 35, we would find that Jacob had been to Bethel 
In fact, there was this ladder in his dream that had been extended to him up and down where God in his very vertical relationship was pouring out perspective upon Jacob's mindset about his relationship to God and what it would pertain. And in Genesis chapter 28, we're told where these angels had been going up and down, ascending, descending this ladder. In verse 13, there was a behold, just like we have sung. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. A foretaste of what missions is to be all about. And behold, there it is again, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. In Genesis 28, verse 16, we're told that Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in his, this place, capital L-O-R-D. And I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So we're told early in the morning, he took the stone that he had under, put under his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And what strikes me is that Jacob had to return to Bethel before he could move forward to Bethlehem. He had to go back, you see, to a point where 30 years earlier, God had revealed himself to Jacob. And now, what Jacob is finding is that not only 30 years earlier, but 30 miles hence, he would have to make a move from Shechem, which had been a detour on life's journey, onward to Bethel, and reacquaint himself not only with God, but more importantly, experience true renewal from God. What I want to do with you this morning is to join with Sherrod and what she offered in that opening perspective. Sometimes, sometimes, you need to go back before you can begin to plan about going forward. So what I want to do now is to take this story about Bethlehem and draw out three what I will call life journey needs that we have to be able to fulfill, to be able to do this journey well. And the first comes out of verse 1 down through verse 8. 
that to move forward wisely in life's journey. I want you to begin with verses 1 through 8 and note with me here the spiritual renewal that you and I that we need to seek. Now, like us, so many of us, Jacob as well, after 30 years, he had taken every detour possible in life. And he had experienced hard times, difficult times, trying times, and he had a series of, if I could do it again, I would have dot, dot, dot. You ever been there? Ever tried to fill that sentence in with the rest of your story? Well, 30 years later now, it's time for Jacob to return to Bethel. Not only become reacquainted with God, but furthermore, to experience true renewal that comes from God. Is that where you're at this morning? And so you pick it up now with me in verse 1. And notice who takes the initiative. And I can guarantee you, it's not Jacob. This is the way of God. God said to Jacob, in a setting where Jacob had detoured his spiritual forward movement, he took Jacob in a setting in which he experienced extraordinarily difficult times with his family. And yet God breaks into those extraordinarily difficult times and those extraordinarily difficult settings. He says, I'm here. I haven't forgotten you. It's been 30 years. Hello. You ready to go back to where it all began? God said to Jacob, Arise. Go up to Bethel. Dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Now, the altar is a place of sacrifice. It would be positioned in such a way to serve as a directional sign that would point towards the ultimate sacrifice still to come, Jesus Christ. Notice the obedience in verse 2. After 30 years, he might say, well, been there, done that. Look at all that I've done against you. Look at all the years, the wasted years of life. You really want me back at Bethel again after all of this? All that has gone wrong? In verse 2, you and I are told, so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. We've extracted three principles out of this two, verse 2 alone at that point. In other words, in order to go back, here are the prerequisites that we want to establish for ourselves personally, for us as a family. 
Jacob said to his household, now he's taking initiative. The schemer has become the leader. And man, has he spent years scheming. He was adept at manipulation. He was adept at control, trying to make circumstances work for him rather than against him. In essence, trying to be sovereign over his life journey. You ever been there? Tried to do that? You know it doesn't work. You know. Well, he knows what needs to take place. So he turns to his family at this point and says, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Stop right there. What in essence he is doing at this point is saying, we need to be able to distinguish between what it is that we should release and what it is that we should retain. Because what we find is that they had idols among them, and while those might have been accumulated over the course of the years of one detour after another, the supplements to God had become substitutes for God. Ask yourself, in the accumulation of experiences and relationships and settings over the course of time, what, it is, what is it that I need to release? And what is it that I need to retain in order to be flexible and fluid in this journey that you and I know as life itself? Now, there might have been some strong attraction to these idols because they carried monetary value. Furthermore, they would have been, in some cases, perhaps family heirlooms that would have come from Rachel's father. But if you're going to follow God, you're going to have to ask yourself some serious questions. Just what is it that I need to release? And what is it that I need to retain in order to move forward effectively with a sense of flexibility if God all of a sudden says turn left or to turn right? And do it in a way that's truly honoring to God. Are you examining your life at this point? Trying to determine, how do I go about doing this in order to move ahead wisely and effectively? Put away the foreign gods that are among you, he would say. Number two, purify yourselves. And number three, change your garments. And you say, Gary, what's that all about? Well, the reality is, and what that would picture in the Old Testament in particular is that what God at this point was doing is allow for the outward to illustrate the inward. That God is calling upon Jacob and family to experience a change, a visible, visual change for the rest of society to note as they move back into the setting that they were called to be in. Paul would write, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
He was drawing upon the imagery of the change of clothes that were to be illustrative of the change of heart, you see. Out of this, too, then, what you see are three particular distinctives that were necessary to take the next step forward. Did you spot them? You got them now? Put away the foreign gods, the supplements, in other words, that became the substitutes. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. God wants changed people so that he can take changed people for these changing times and be able to communicate changeless truths in the midst of it all. Jacob understands. He knows what's needed to be done. Thomas Edison, factory in West Orange, New Jersey, virtually destroyed by fire, we're told. Damage at the time exceeded $2 million. Buildings were insured for only 238000 because they were made of concrete, thought to be fireproof, and much of Edison's life's work went up in smoke and flames that December night. The height of the fire, his 24-year-old son Charles, who was looking frantically for his father and found him, his father was calmly watching the fire, his face, we are told, glowing in the reflection, his white hair blowing in the wind. Charles says, my heart ached for him. He was 67, no longer a young man, and everything was going up in flames. And when he saw me, he shouted, Charles, where's your mother? When I told him that I didn't know, he said, find her, bring her here. She will never see anything like this as long as she lives. And we are told that the next morning, Edison looked at the ruins, all that had been lost, and said there is great value in disaster. There are gains in the midst of losses in life. So much is burned up, but we praise God that we can start anew. Three weeks after the fire, Edison managed to deliver the first phonograph. What Jacob is now experiencing is a new beginning. Too many people are willing to settle for old beginnings. Oh, they want a beginning on their terms, but that's old beginning stuff. But new creation people are the ones that long for the new beginning experience of life. And so now what we find at this point is that there needs to be the giving up of that which would hold us back in order to take on that which would lead us forward. So again, ask yourself, what is it that I need to release? What is it that I need to retain? Am I pursuing simply another set of old beginnings, albeit beginnings, or am I ready for a new beginning in my spiritual journey as I make my way forward on God's terms, even it's been 30 years since you last visited Bethel. Jacob would have to learn 
you got to go back to Bethel before you go forward to Bethlehem, you see. Well, now, you're up to verse 4. And they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods, not some of them, all of them that they had. And the rings that were in their ears, you see, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem, the city, the setting, the place where so much had gone wrong. He was willing to bury it there in order to be able to determine how to move forward and find out what is meant to be. Well, we need, we need a map, don't we? And so it appears on the screen and not only are we talking 30 years since the last time uh, Jacob had an experience with God where God revealed himself at Bethel, it's also furthermore 30 miles to make one's way from Shechem, where everything seemed to be going wrong in life, to Bethel. I think 30s now. And in the process of it all, you can just imagine the stories that are being told as Jacob recounts what seems to be long ago and yet fresh in his mind because he's pondering this whole idea of do it again, God. Do it again. You're back to the text and you're up to verse 5. And as they journeyed, the first of three times that word appears now in this passage. That's why it's in, our, it's in our teaching points today. As they journeyed, notice this. A terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob because at this juncture in time, that would have been a very dangerous journey to take. But there's a life principle that flows naturally out of this. When God gives you direction for life, simultaneously God provides you with protection through life. When God gives you direction for life, simultaneously God provides you with protection through life even though some of the realms by which you go through the difficult journey experiences will involve losses as well as gains, which we'll see in just a moment. Direction, protection, hand in hand. They journeyed. Terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the peoples who were with him. That's a growing group. And there he built an altar. This is the fifth altar among the patriarchs that was established in the book of Genesis, you see. Each altar was to be a place where God would reveal himself in terms of the value of sacrifice that was to be made. The ultimate still to come, Jesus. This is the place, you see. He builds the altar, calls the place El Bethel. And when you see El, E-L, well, that's a name, a shortened name for Elohim, God. 
because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And right when it seems as if we're starting to get life together, able to begin to gain a sense of traction, if you will, on how to move forward with life, someone very close to the family now breathes her last. Deborah. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. She was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alon Baku. And this is the beginning? Is this a new beginning? It feels like an old beginning. But there's more to this Bethlehem story. So you start with this first life need. And to move forward wisely on life's journey, you begin with me by noting the spiritual renewal we need to seek. Go back to verse 2, extract the principles, and allow them to be able to speak to your heart at your point of need. And then you're ready. And then you're able to move forward. Because here's the second. I want you to notice furthermore the gracious changes that we need to commemorate. Beginning in verse 9, notice now, after 30 years, it's as if God is saying, I haven't forgotten. Even when you forgot me for some 30 years, I have not forgotten you over the course of these 30 years. God appeared to Jacob, and I've mocked this again. It's not a one and done. He's willing to come back. He's got more for Jacob to process. And he's got more for you to process in your life's journey. Don't make your spiritual testimony to be all past tense. Even if it's been a while, come back. God appeared to Jacob again. When he came from Padan Aram, and here's the extraordinary thing about this relationship with God. God blessed him. Even when Jacob has not been a blessing to God, this is grace. God chooses to bless Jacob. And furthermore, the word from God is the following in verse 10. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Carried with the idea of supplanter. It's the one who grabbed the heel of his twin brother Esau when they were emerging from the womb. He was a manipulator, Jacob. A schemer. But now God's got something different for him. The schemer is going to become a leader. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Now, I want you to bear in mind, every time now you're watching the news, you're reading the news, you're going on various websites, bear in mind this is where Israel gets its name. Right here. And what God is doing in his gracious ways is that he is moving Jacob from the Shechem experience of life into the Bethel realities of life. And Jacob did not take the initiative. 
God did. That's grace. Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer, no longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel, one who wrestles with God, you see. And all has Israel wrestled with God. Why, you even see that wrestling match in Genesis as well, don't you? When you ponder the way in which Jacob was wrestling with, with that angel um, back in a prior chapter of 32, 22 through and onwards. But here you have it. God is taking that experience and turning it into a blessing. And furthermore, now, God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, in the Hebrew. And taking him back to the promise that God had delivered to Abraham and to Isaac and connecting with Jacob reiterates God's sovereign plan. I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And I would love for you to be able to mark, circle that word kings. Because ultimately from that body would be one born in Bethlehem, king of kings, lord of lords. And what we see now is that Israel, it's his new name, is being taken by God and God's grace from Bethel. He'll make his way to Bethlehem. And as he does so along the way, he will be reminded that from this body will become be kings, and he will learn that there will be, when he's in heaven, there's a David and there's a Solomon and so on, but the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords would be found what we will see on Christmas Day in Matthew 2, where magi from the east arrive on the scene, wanting to know just where is this one born, you see, king of the Jews. And you got Herod and company all shook up. This is where you get the idea of Israel. This is where you get the idea of kings. It comes from Israel's own body. Here's where you get the promise of the land. And we saw, when you read the history, 1948, the land was once again reestablished. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I'll give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Well, it's said, it's done. And God went up from him in, in the place where he had spoken. What are you going to do with that? bit of information. We're told that Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, just what Jacob had done 30 years earlier. It's as if he's saying, sometimes you need to go back before you prepare yourself to move forward. Is there anything you need to revisit to get it right, to move ahead? Well, Jacob sets up this pillar. It's a pillar of stone, pours out a drink offering on it, poured oil on it, 
So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him. Bethel. Bethel. And now we find ourselves looking at a patriarch ready to move forward. It's been called the greatest rescue mission of World War II. Process this. Historian writes, late in the war, American bombers were sent on a dangerous mission over southern Europe to cripple the Nazis' oil supplies. Many of American pilots were forced to bail from their shot-up planes. The injured airmen drifted by parachute into occupied Yugoslavia, expecting to be captured or to be killed. Instead, instead, on the ground, remarkable rescue teams were already in place. Serbian peasants tracked the path of the floating flight crews. Their sole mission was to grab these soldiers, bring them to safety before the Nazis arrived. Risking their own lives, the peasants fed and sheltered the downed soldiers. These rescued men were in friendly hands, but on enemy soil, they still needed to escape. They needed protection as well as direction, didn't they? The rest of the story. The story became known as Operation Halod and builds towards this daring mission a secret landing strip, an evacuation plan, and those Serbian peasants, they rescued every single American airman, over 500 in all. And the fascinating subplot to the rescue? To travel the evacuation site, the airmen had to spend weeks Journey after journey after journey, I underline. Following the Serbian freedom fighters back and forth, back and forth, who and who alone knew the path to the evacuation site. And despite the profound language barriers, the direction, the pace, the destination were in the hands of their rescuers, the men had been saved from their enemy, but the journey had just begun. They still had to walk to freedom. And they did. All of them. For Jacob, the journey has just begun. There has been a combination of protection and direction. It all began when God took the initiative, and lo and behold, what we see in all of this is that that verse 2 phenomenon comes into play. They prepped themselves for this particular special moment in time where God was about to do something significant, and what you've got to ask yourself continuously, and what is it that God wants me to do in terms of release versus retention to be adequately prepared for not an old beginning, a new beginning to move forward with what God wants to do, offer his glory, offer his honor. The first need, the spiritual renewal you and I, we need to seek. 
The second need, the gracious changes you and I, we need to make. The third need, the challenging extremes we need to anticipate. Because you see, in life's journey, even after comes these wonderful experiences, nonetheless, there's going to be a combination of gains and losses, highs and lows, even when you're following the Lord and doing it God's way. Pick it up with me now in verse 16. There's the word again. And then they journeyed from Bethel. They didn't stay at Bethel. They're on their way to Bethlehem. And when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into Labah, and, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Onai, but his father called him Benjamin, instead of the son of sorrows, Ben-Onai, the son of the right hand, Benjamin. So Rachel died. Jacob's saying, right after God met me, 30 years later, I experienced the height of what it means to reestablish a connection with the Sovereign One, and lo and behold, loss. My Rachel passes away. Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath. But don't miss the parenthesis that is... Bethlehem. For you see, on your life's journey, there are going to be challenging extremes. There's a gain here and a loss, the gain a new baby named Benjamin, a loss of the beloved mother, wife, Rachel. What does Jacob do? Once again, he sets up a pillar, this time a pillar over her tomb. It's the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Mark that in verse 20. And then he doesn't stay there. No, for the third time this word appears. Israel journeyed on, pitched his tent beyond the Tower of, the tower of Ada. But you see, that pillar of Rachel, the tomb, look what appears on the screen. Rachel's tomb. Now, what we have to bear in mind is that in that portion of Israel today, this has been a disputed place between Judaism and Islam. The Ottoman Empire, when it appeared on the scene, uh, tried to turn this into something that would be devoted to Allah. But God has a way of superseding and superintending. So access is there. Rachel's tomb is present. And what you and I have the opportunity to do is to see how God is at work and God is involved in the journey of life. 
he had to go back to Bethel before he could move forward to Bethlehem. The question is this. What do we need to go back to? Revisit. To be able to recalibrate and get ready to move forward to do what God would call us to do for the glory of God. It means learning what it is we need to release, what it is we need to retain, and setting up memorials along the way where God and God alone is viewed as the gracious God of our lives. Memorials need to be established. Let's stand together. And so, Father, we're thanking you. You are our God. Now, in these various services and for the online participants in worship, we look back over our journey. And for some of us, we're wondering, how did I even get here? Look at all the detours that I took. Times where I, I set God aside and accumulated things, experiences, and the likes, that rather than drawing me closer to the Lord, distanced me from the Lord. Well, Father, for some of us, that means we've got to go back to Bethel, even if it's 30 years later. Because metaphorically speaking, it's only when we return to Bethel that we can move forward to Bethlehem. We embrace the fact that this is life, and life is affected by the fall of all of humanity. There are gains, there are losses. There is the blessing of the gain of a Benjamin, there is the loss of life of a Rachel. But in the journey of life, we set up the memorials, and we attest to the fact that God is good, God is gracious, and God sent Jesus to die for our sins. We praise you for entering into our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.